From Nevada Public Radio, I'm Joe Shaneman, it's State of Nevada. Even in a city as news-rich as Las Vegas, last week was over the top. We had someone climbing the sphere and causing $100,000 damage. We had the Super Bowl with 6,000 journalists in town. Live, the golfing group in competition with the PGA, had a tournament here. What would have been big news in previous years, the primaries and the Republican caucus, was kind of ho-hum. And is anybody excited about these candidates? What about young people thinking about how men generations older than they will govern? And on the sports industry side of things, some people don't care about the Super Bowl. Some live and die for it. What did you think? It's also Black History Month. And their sports in Vegas, it just keeps growing. We have the WNBA, NFL, NHL, professional rugby, professional women's volleyball, professional lacrosse, The NBA is very likely coming, and thanks to a $400 million gift from taxpayers, professional baseball. Is that good for Vegas? Has it been in any way good for you? Do you get any sort of trickle-down boost from the monetary windfalls expected for the casino industry? And with me to talk about this is Las Vegas artist Brent Holmes. Brent, welcome back. Howdy, Joe. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. Glad, Glad to have you here. Uh, Before we get into questions from listeners, you have some pretty exciting news. You're going to have a show in the Pacific Northwest. Talk about that. Yeah, um, I will be part of an exhibition um, called uh, Blackness, Refusal to be Reduced at the Tacoma Art Museum in um, May of this year. And it'll be a pretty big deal. I'm transporting large-scale work up there over the next few weeks and yeah it's a three-year exhibition focusing on african-american interpretations of the west i also got a show at city hall right now right now uh uh the show in tacoma is curated by the incredible nakisha breeze who's also a, a stunning visual artist and performing artist in their own right and the one at city hall is uh curated by joseph watson and you guys can catch that for the rest of black history month well, you know, I, I started, that's very exciting for you, and, and I know artists in Las Vegas do sometimes have a pretty difficult time getting work, getting paying jobs. I mean, how big is this? Something like this for you? Um, I mean, it's kind of a big deal just because I am getting out of the state. I'm getting more eyes on the work. It's really interesting to be curated not by people you know. I mean, you know, Las Vegas is a very small community when it comes to the arts, so we see a lot of each other and this is gonna uh, be part of a long series of steps. I've put a lot of work in and made a lot of sacrifices to maintain an artistic practice and create an artistic career in the city of Las Vegas, always with the goal of having a more national or at least coastal career in which my work is displayed and hopefully paid for. Uh, outside of the city of Las Vegas, although it would be nice to have my work paid for inside of the city of Las Vegas, anybody that's listening. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Very difficult. (laughs) Yeah, it really, really is hard to sell art in this town. Uh, There's a few people that do it really incredibly well, but for the most part, it's uh, a thankless and not very lucrative job. Uh, again, Brent Holmes, he's an artist in, in town. We're talking with him. Um, he's, he's here to uh, talk with me about really your comments. This is our open mic show. Call in and talk about whatever you whatever's on your mind. The number is 702-258-3552, 702-258-3552, or email son at knpr.org. And we did get a caller, Jack from Henderson, who says, we need another candidate, maybe an independent, someone other than these two old people. 
I'm 76 myself, and I think they're too old to be in office. And you know, I was at a coffee shop very recently, two weeks ago. Um, people around that same age were in the coffee shop really uh, kvetching about Trump coming to town and celebrating his, his really preordained victory. They knew it was coming, but they were also all of them saying these two guys are too old. Yeah, they are. I mean, so when you when we talk about this election season, I, I want to be really clear. I'm of the opinion that if Joe Biden or Donald Trump wins, it's not based on the popular vote. It's based on the like least the the group that's garnered the the least amount of disdain at this point. It, people are enthusiastic about Trump, but only a small fraction of the American populace. And people are less maybe or more maybe enthusiastic about Biden right now. Uh, but again, I don't see anyone really wanting this as leadership. And I've got a child that's turning 18 this year. This is his first election. And he's got a, he's got the choice of very, very old millionaire and very, very old Millionaire. We're, we're talking about people who are two or three generations separate from him. Yeah, I mean, this, this is this is two to three generations away from him. These people have no understanding of what m- my eldest son sees as the future or wants the future to be for himself. Their future is very muted. They're still living. 20, 30, 40 years ago, psychologically, you got a Joe Biden and a Donald Trump that have these ideas that were established when they were young men and they've been following those the entire time. We need younger people to speak to younger people and to lead us into the future that people want. You might not necessarily like it if you're within the age demographic of a Donald Trump or a Joe Biden of what younger people want the future to look like, but that doesn't mean that it isn't what the voice of the people want. And, and, and democracy is supposed to be about that, right? About giving the people what they want, about really catering to the mass of the populace. And that's not being done. I don't see very much enthusiasm on either side of no. each camp. Yeah, yeah. And if you're out there listening, again, this is our open mic show, 702-258-3552. What do you think it would take to get better candidates for the presidency? I mean, uh, I mean can, we call, can we call in some senility here, too? I mean, there's a certain point at which you wouldn't let somebody that's 73, 76, 75 run a McDonald's, right? Like you wouldn't let them because they're just too old. They're not quick enough to even run that. If you wouldn't let them run a McDonald's, why are they running the country? And why why are we even taking this seriously? Uh, I want I want at least people that can, you know, access their own internet servers and and, and you know update their Facebook uh, by themselves without without having to have a whole team of people. And th- that's certainly not who's running for president right now. Um, I don't know. Yeah, fascinating points, Brent. Uh, you know, Brent, um, we also just had the Super Bowl. I, I'll say I watched it for the food. I know somebody who's a great cook, so I, I went there to eat. But, man, I thought it was – most of it was boring. I thought the halftime show was a complete yawner with Usher. Totally not Vegas. Uh, did you watch it? No, no, I absolutely didn't. Uh, I, I have uh... – Recused myself from watching the Super Bowl for most of my adult life. I'm very grateful for that. I have very little interest in football. Um, it's a it's a wonderful spectacle for people that are into it, I suppose. 
Uh, I, I know people love competition in sport. I don't know why we make such a big deal out of these things worldwide and in the country. And you know, I, I was I was actually you know shoplifting at Smith's because uh, that's what I did. shopping. No, no shoplifting. Okay. Um, no, you know, guys. Here's the thing: self checkout. If you're going to make me check out my own groceries, and everybody's going to be staring at their phone watching the last bit of the game, I'm going to take a kitty litter pooper scooper and uh, and uh, you know I, I'm not paying the 17 bucks for it. Did the alarm go off? No, no nobody cared. Nobody. I could have walked out of that grocery store. With all of my edibles, you could have walked around naked. I could have walked around naked. Barely anyone was conscious of anything except for what was on their phones. Every employee, everybody uh, in the store, except for the select few people that were walking in and out with their groceries. And had I not paid for anything that I picked up, I don't think a single soul would have noticed. But but you heard about the halftime show. Yeah, I mean, Uh, maybe you watched on YouTube. What 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 were your thoughts? I mean, it, it was produced by. Yeah, well, you talk about that. Well, yeah, I mean, this is a really, really fascinating thing. It's it's also Black History Month, folks. Yay. Um, February, as I like to call it. Um, and and the, the entire Super Bowl was produced by Jay-Z and Beyonce's corporation. They, they were in charge of the production of the Super Bowl and the Super Bowl halftime show. Um, we had two of the wealthiest black people in the world, right? In the world. And and these are entertainers. And uh, I, I love... And also, what, what, what uh, other superstar? Oh, we also had LeBron James in town. Mm-hmm. I was actually working uh, a gig for uh, Mr. James for his show, The Shop, that's on YouTube. Um, and and again, the wealthiest black people in the world. And, and there's, you know, I do call into question when it comes to Black History Month and when it comes to, to American culture, when we look at the achievements of African Americans, we have so many wealthy entertainers and athletes. Where's my billionaire black physicist? Where's my billionaire black scientist, technologist? Where's, where's my, um, you know, billionaire black Jeff Bezos, whatever that is? It really, he's just a, a mercantile trader, right? He's... he's but 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 where is that in our culture, and why are we constantly seeing people of African descent uh, working uh, working in these very niche realms where it's acceptable for them to make incredible amounts of money? Uh, and we can talk about you know exclusionary practices, uh, systemic racism, and the economics of getting high, into higher education and achieving things. Uh, while being African-American outside of fields in which they are acceptable, which is music and sport primarily. I love that. 702-258-3552. Give us a call. This is our Open Mic Monday. Anything you want to talk about? We got a a call earlier from Patricia in Las Vegas who said, in reference to my comment about the $400 million gift we gave the Oakland A's. She says, I don't recall Green to give them a gift. It was shoved down our throats. <laughs> Patricia, thank you for that. That's well understood. And we have a call from Penny in Ridgecrest. Welcome, Penny. Hi. Um, I heard you talking about how can we get uh, better candidates. Yeah. And I think if we could reverse the uh, ruling by the Supreme Court that says that corporations our people and can contribute uh, endless amounts of money to campaigns that really discourages the average person from even considering running for office when you have to spend all your time fundraising because people are spending millions of dollars to advertise or get out their uh, views 
uh, it's very discouraging, and we need to uh, repeal that. We need legislation that will uh, appeal, repeal that uh, and overcome that yeah. SCOTUS decision. Well, well Penny, you. Penny, do you think that will ever happen, knowing our Congress goes to those same corporations for a lot of their campaign support? I think that it can happen, whether it's going to happen in my lifetime maybe a different question, but I think it can happen, and people need to speak up and uh, start supporting some of the candidates that aren't accepting uh, corporate donations. Uh, we have a candidate, uh, Katie Porter, in California here, who doesn't accept any of those funds, and she's running a little bit behind Garvey and... Uh, uh, Schiff, mm-hmm. and I think part of it is that Schiff is promoting Garvey because I think he feels he can beat Garvey, but he might not be able to beat Porter. So anyhow, there's a lot of things in politics that are a little incomprehensible. Yeah, Penny, uh, thank you for that call, and thanks for your, your previous calls. You've you've called us in before. Uh, you make a really some interesting points. And again, our number seven zero two two five eight three five five two. I want to go now to Tom. In Henderson, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks. Yeah. Go ahead, Tom. Oh, yeah. Uh, my comment was with regard to uh, uh, the gentleman who's the artist, Brent. I'm so sorry, sir. I've forgotten your last name. Um, but you made a comment that you had serious doubts whether candidates as old and as generationally removed from your eldest son have any idea or even, or indeed, even much in the way of means or interest in what motive, in what his vision for the future is, is and what he wants to see happen. And my contention, uh, I'm afraid I've become cynical about all of this. And my answer is, you're probably quite right. And I don't think either of the candidates or their staffs or really the parties give much of a darn. The only thing they're interested in, as far as I can tell, with regard to your 18-year-old son and his thoughts, are his vote. Um, I think it's become a complete and abject race for power for power's own sake. And, you know, many are welcome to disagree with me on that, but I think the recent performance of our Congress is the, uh, well, I'll use that as the factual premise on which I base that conclusion, uh, and, I, and I refer specifically to the immigration brouhaha. Republicans are banging, and I have no partisan loyalty here, by the way, mm-hmm. but Republicans are banging their fists, screaming, we need an immigration control. We need to revise the system. And I think most anybody who's any, had anything to do with immigration would agree. We at least must do something. What specifically is up for argument? But finally, this Congress that is unable to agree on virtually anything, finally they get a bill together, they're ready to go, and because the top dog in one of the parties says, no, this could hurt our campaign, they say, okay, all this inform- all this legislation that we've said is absolutely critical for the survival of the United States, forget about it. Yeah. Um, because look, it's subordinate, governing has become subordinate to getting elected 
And I think that these guys would tell you that the grass is blue and the sky green if they thought it would get your vote. Such is my thought. I'm not yeah. sure where to go with it or what the comments are, but I'm dying to hear what you guys have to say. Tom, that was a great call. Uh, Brett, what, Brett, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, I, I think um, both Penny and Tom are alluding to something that I, I, I am of the opinion, and these are opinions, um, but I think they're fairly accurate. I, I think this is a, a, a we're not having a race for power. And as far as corporate interests funding campaigns, I think the corporations are the campaign at this point. We, the the inextractability from American politics, both locally and abroad, from the interest of corporations, multinational uh, and at home is is blatant at this point. It's really clear that we have, you know, a two wings, same bird kind of system here that it's all serving the primary interest and what the candidates want and what elected officials want from somebody like my son. They want his time, his money, his body, his life, his effort. Um, They want to see human beings as batteries and use them as expendable. They don't care about how it improves or affects his life. It's, uh, you know, we're borderline banana republic here, guys. And uh, I I hate to say those things out loud, but that's really the mood. Uh, it'd be great. Vote, vote third party, even if they lose. Who cares? We, in most other nations, there are multiple parties running for elected offices, not just one or two, but several. They have socialism. They have outright fascists. They have all sorts of different groups stating their case and their opinion that are all equally electable or at least viable under certain circumstances. There are primary parties, yes, but we're a nation that seems to only work on a binary and it's really gross and it's really sad. Um, And it's really unhealthy for the development of the nation and I think for the psychological makeup and the well-being of its citizens. Tom, thank you so much for that call. Uh, again, this is Open Mic Monday, our number 702-258-3552, and there is so much to talk about. What, what's on your mind? Give us that call. Patrick emailed to say he disagrees with a caller earlier. He said, uh, the guest's analysis of the POTUS election, this election is about democracy versus fascism. Maybe a future future one will fit his vision, hopefully. Um, I, I think... I think the question about democracy versus fascism, I think we're talking about blatant fascism versus uh, subtle fascism at this point. If I'm being genuine, I don't think that the funding that the Biden administration has put to police forces within the United States, nor a great number of the policies that Biden has put forth, including the funding of two wars uh, without really the consent of the American people, uh, it are non-fascistic things. I think they're a little nicer. I think um, when you look at a figure like Donald Trump, we like to slap the label of fascist on him. And I'm not saying the guy doesn't have very fascist looking leanings, but at the end of the day, the policies and the policy differences between Joe Biden and Donald Trump are not so diametrically opposed that I see really great differences. If we're talking about what we look like as a nation about ideological stances sure but but this emergency fascism listen during the super bowl um we funded the bombing of the rafa refugee camp in gaza the united states money our money funded the bombing a hundred a hundred 
civilians died. They rescued two Israeli hostages. A hundred human beings died. We've been paying for Israelis, the Israeli war against Hamas for the last uh, four months almost now, I think. Um, that's all our money. Uh, we should have some kind of say in where it goes. And, and, and whether it's Donald Trump or Joe Biden, we're still going to keep pumping money into foreign interests that don't necessarily serve the best interest of the American people, let alone the people of the globe or the global south. And that's Brent, <clears throat> excuse me, and that's Brent Holmes. These are his, his opinions. And today it is your turn to call us with your opinions. It's our open mic show, 702-258-3552, 702-258-3552. Bruce from Las Vegas, welcome. How you doing this morning? I'm doing good, Bruce. Go ahead. Look, uh, I've been I've been driving for almost 20 years. Um, what's embarrassing is we've had the Super Bowl, we've had Formula One. Uh, I don't know who we need to talk to about getting our roads to match the, yeah. the state of the art uh, infrastructure that we have, uh, the buildings, and a lot of people talking about how wonderful Vegas took care of the Super Bowl. But it's embarrassing to be on these roads that are so raggedy. If it wasn't for the, what the Formula One did in front of, uh, well, for their track, but you go down by um, New York, New York, MGM Grand, uh, even toward Mandalay Bay, the roads are horrible. So I'm, I'm like, do we need to talk to our commissioners? Uh, it's like I say, it's just embarrassing. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, I was I was listening this morning on the radio. Say they said it took one hour to go a mile on the strip. Hopefully, locals weren't dumb enough to try to drive on the strip. They opened I-15. The side lanes on I-15 they've opened up this morning for people driving back to California to try to alleviate that headache. And there's supposed to be 115,000 people trying to get through the airport. So the TSA put out a warning this morning. The get there very, very early because 115,000 people going through maybe eight gates. Uh, it's going to take a long, long time. But our roads, uh, but I could go on and on and on about this, Brent. Well, Joe, I just want to like you, we were having a, a conversation in passing earlier today um, about the revenue generated by gaming just yesterday at the Super Bowl. How much of that revenue is going into roads, let alone schools or public utilities that we all need to live in a city as a city? Well, uh, there's supposed to be a record handle uh, in gaming this year. $23 billion was expected by the American Gaming Association to be gambled. It's up uh, you know, double digit percentages. Um, gaming wins, I believe, are taxed at a rate of 6.75%. That's more than the sales tax taxes that we pay on on other goods. So uh, there's been discussion in this state for a long time about increasing the gaming tax. Will that ever happen? It goes back to what we talked about earlier, the the homage that our, ta- that our politicians pay to corporations in, in some respect. But hold on to that thought. We do have to go to a break. Um, I'm here with Brent Holmes. He's a local artist, and if you've listened, he's going to have this three-year art show in Tacoma, Washington very soon. And uh, we are talking about really what whatever's on your mind. A lot of people want to call in and talk about the state of our democracy, our republic, and the election systems here. Uh, and Brent, you wanted to add something about I, this. I mean, I just, I just want to point out that I think regardless of what political affiliation, regardless of what beliefs are you hold, every single one of us is tired. We are tired of feeling unrepresented, unspoken for, uncared for. Democracy is a compromise, and it always will be, just like a good marriage or a functional one. Um, 
<laughs> we, 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 we have to make compromises. I'm not always going to agree with what the best idea or ideation or policy is or the direction that we should go as a people. But right now, it feels like we have next to no voice at all. And that's exhausting. And with that, I'm going to go to Dave from Searchlight. Welcome to the program. Hello. Hey, go ahead, Dave. Hi. Um, I guess the main point I wanted to bring up is that only 30 states in the union have citizen ballot initiatives. And even amongst those, the access or the ability to actually propose laws is kind of shaky. And it doesn't exist at all at the federal level. The reason why I consider this such a problem is, well, I'm kind of of the mind that, you know, everyone the one everyone lambasted the one guy in Congress, I forget his name now, for saying that America isn't a democracy, it's a republic, and people defended by saying America is a representative democracy, but really a represent representative democracy is to my thinking, neither nor. Because here's the thing. Candidates need to be elected based on issues, right? And if they solve all the issues, then what do they get elected on? <laughs> yeah, it's, it, that's a, Dave, that's an interesting point. I've heard from many politicians and, and uh, observers on this program that they'll never get rid of the immigration issue because it is one that they need every four years, every election cycle, to so that they can they can pit it against their opposition, and each side has an argument to be made about immigration. So they never want it to be solved. Dave, thank you so much for that call. I want to get to some of our other messages here. Kay from Las Vegas says, with all these sports activities in Las Vegas, why can't we have street lights on throughout the city? It's dangerous on these streets. And from Brian in Vegas, he says, I agree on the roads. I'm a delivery driver for all-star dry cleaning. And the street paradise between Harmon and Desert Inn feels like I'm driving on a dirt road. And I wanted to go to call Holly in Summerlin. Welcome to the program. Hey, Holly, are you? Uh, or uh, Holly, is that you? I'm here. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yes, I'm here. Hi, how you doing? I'm doing well. Go ahead. Good. Uh, thank you for answering my call. Uh, I I kind of, uh, I wouldn't say predicted, but back in the 1980s, late, uh, early 80s, when corporations uh, started uh, making their move to upend the political system, uh, I was reading a book by David C. Corden, Corpor- When Corporations Rule the World. So I was kind of prepared uh, for what is happening right now, and, and I, I, I honestly pray that, a lot of other people have prepared to be in this type of situation because it's, it, 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 it is a chaotic political uh, system, as, as one caller uh, had said and suggested with the two-party system, with other you know, people who are, uh, might be more electable than the two that, that are set up, you know, ruled through the corporations. And I just urge uh, all citizens, not just here in uh, Las Vegas or Nevada, but throughout the nation, to create their own space, you know, uh, protect that space, you know, uh, interact with others, you know, while you're in that space, but protect that space. It, it, it's very vital at this point in time uh, as we live through this chaotic situation to 
to have that space so you can just calm down as an individual, uh, recollect, and, and then continue to move forward uh, in your life and, and then to attack your goals uh, aggressively. I agree with that. And thanks for that call. How, how do you do that? Uh, some, some of us and, and a lot of us are so tied into the political systems and the worry over the people we are elected. We are electing that it, it, sometimes it's hard to go to sleep at night. It's it's uh, it's going to keep you up. Uh, we're we're I mean, you know, from my perspective, and again, these are my opinions, um, but I, I think they're grounded in some level of reality. We're talking about late stage capitalist collapse and late stage capitalist collapse is going to be based on markets, not on people. That's how we're being governed. We're being governed based on economics, on markets, on what can make the most profit for the least number of human beings the most efficiently. And that has nothing to do with actual living and survival. I would implore you to go beyond making your own space, everybody out there, uh, and being and taking the time to make space for others and finding mutual aid networks and forms of care that can be uh, spread throughout your community because we're going to need great interdependency to survive all of the calamities that a ubiquitous marketplace and a corporate-based economic system are going to to, to, to bring our way. And Holly uh, Summerlin, thank you for that call. Also joining us now, Matthew from Las Vegas. Welcome to the program. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, on the heels of the comments that were just made, I, I, I vociferously agree. Late-stage capital uh, collapse is, is something that we really should be looking at very sincerely and very, very deeply. Uh, we also are not acknowledging in this culture that we, we don't understand, most of us don't understand, that we're actually being governed by the profit motive. And at the core of all of our motivations relative to the corporate schema, schema, uh, what we're looking at this is the profit motive, and the profit motive tells us that anything is for sale, and so what that does at, at a cost. So what that ultimately does within culture is it tells us that all things are marketable, and at the process, what you do is you also end up selling things that are absolutely critical to culture, like your integrity. <laughs> That's one of the problems that we're watching with the Republican Party. Anything to win. And unfortunately, people don't understand is even when they speak about uh, political scientists, when they talk about uh, the, the democratic process, we don't even understand that democracy in modern terms was created in ancient Greece when 90% of the population was slaves. So we, should, we, we need to start revisioning, revamping, and re-understanding what it is that we're dealing with. Because right now, we're looking for the keys to our car outside the bar when we lost them three blocks away. We're looking at the bar because that's what the light is, but that's not what's going to ultimately help us resolve the problems that we're in. And the problem is, given uh, uh, notions of, of uh, what's going on with the, the ecology, we may not have time to change this. Great call, Matthew. Brent. <laughs> Matthew, that was fire, bro. Like, oh, my God. I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. We're in a whole lot of trouble. We're, and again, we talk about Super Bowl. We talk about uh, spectacle, right? The, the the old the old Roman adage of bread and circuses. That's my Instagram handle. Um, you know, these things are we're putting on very big shows, uh, whether it be political or societal or cultural, uh, whether it be sport, entertainment, or you know, um, all the razzmatazz that is an election season. Um, and why does it cost so much money to run an election campaign? Because it's advertising, it's marketing, it's not actually addressing anything that we actually need to have addressed. 
And yeah, um, that, that was really beautifully stated. Uh, if everything is for sale, if you're for sale, if your opinions, your values, where does it, where does it stop? What isn't for sale? And, and how much is that cheap in life? Every little bit of life, if all we're trying to do is cut a profit at the end of the day instead of actually make something sustainable and beautiful for everyone around us. That's why I make art. That's why I'm in the arts. I really want to thank our callers today, those who wrote in, Matthew, Holly, and so many others, Penny from Ridgecrest. Again, uh, we're going to be doing this again very soon. So uh, listen to us, and and we'll be announcing when we do another uh, Open Mic Monday. And I want to thank those who wrote in, and especially Brent Holmes, Las Vegas artist. Um, Brent, you were great. Oh, thanks, Joe. Uh, This is great. It's always great to hear people.